When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back into the second episode of Kamikaze Live. We have returned. There are just way too many, uh, way too many wide receivers to talk about. So you're going to be joined by the uh, the usual gang, the usual suspects. Again, it is I, Cody Kutzer, FC Kutzer FF, joined by David Berger, the Emmy Award winner. Just figured out what a microphone is and just got himself some internet. You can find him at Carl Jr. The Peebles champ, also in the building, Dwight Peebles at FF Peebles champ. Uh, the homie, J. Mike, he is here as well, joining us at J. Mike Check. And I am saving this guy for last. The quarantine cannot contain his his power grab. He's going out here. He doesn't give a shit. He doesn't care if it's John Bosch. He said, John Bosch, give me the reins. I am taking over. We have a new commissioner in the Kamikaze Dynasty Leagues. Robbie Jeffries, a.k.a. Mr. Commissioner to you at NFL Robbie. Fellas, thanks for uh, coming back. Tell, tell me something good. What's going on? Uh, power struggle is right. Power grab is right. I mean, Jobby Jeffries coming in, snatching the crown from Bo- from Bosch, uh, the new commissioner. Uh, all hail. All hail. I should have had my head bowed, my knees and face to the floor. Uh, we, we appreciate you. No, but it's good to be back with you guys, uh, my brethren from Kamikaze, my compadres. Uh, I'm excited to jump into any and all the nonsense that you all have planned. I'm ready for this. It'll be nice to be able to ask a question about the rules without getting that that Dwight gif of know your rules and stuff. So unless you're going to do that too, Robbie, which which you can. That's, that's fine. He's, he's training me. I'm not at that level yet, but he's training me. Robbie, I hope you uh, consider my rule change. The oldest quarterbacks uh, on the roster gets uh, an extra two points for uh, every TD as I'm riding Breeze and Brady this year, looks like. Oh, oh, boy. How did I get myself in this mess? Absolutely. And I actually don't think I'm officially commissioner until I reverse a trade because the money was not in the comments correctly until that happens i think it's just kind of a intern basis uh so yeah it'll be official when i can officially reject that send it back and say fix the comments that'll be actually his first day in power let's let's do a trade right now with incorrect comments (laughs) just just no comments just none check 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 your inbox, Dwight. We'll get the starter right now. <laughs> Plus 2020 money. That's all it says. All right, we're good. <laughs> to who? How much? What does it go? Reverse the train. <laughs> I love it, man. That's, that, that was definitely the – because this is my first um, – even my first auction league 
that I joined, let alone something bankroll with all this stuff and like the different deposits and all that. So whatever all those trades were going through, nope, do it again. Go back. Go. <laughs> but it's awesome, man. I so so glad this is my first one jumping in with all you guys. And uh, speaking speaking of jumping in, let, let's let's just go down this rabbit hole real quick. I don't think we actually talked about this on the first one, but since we do have the draft coming up. Who is the number one wide receiver as it stands right now for you guys? And then the the second follow-up question, is it close to your number two? Berg, who's uh, who's your number one, and is it close to numero dos? I'm going C.D. Lamb out of Oklahoma. Uh, I feel like he has a pretty clean profile, and um, he's pretty close to my number two, who's Jerry Judy who also checks all those classic boxes. But I don't know. I just – I feel like C.D. Lamb is just a little bit more manimal than Jerry Judy, and uh, that's what I'm looking for, some explosivo talent. Yeah, I'll definitely second that. I think C.D. It, – it, it's it's close. I don't know if it's, it's close enough where if there's certain landing spots where I'll switch, but it is really close. I think I go I go Lamb and then Judy right behind him. I think just Lamb does everything really well into a point where it's not just good, but it's like it's elite. Like he just does a lot of stuff at the elite level. And Judy's got the route running, and that's kind of his his big thing. And so um, they're both really great. But Lamb number one. Up until I saw my boy Gilbert Bennett, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll switch it. To, <laughs> I'll switch it to Denzel Mims as well. So yeah. <laughs> It's Denzel. No, <laughs> it's CD for me. It is probably pretty close. I feel like Judy's maybe a little safer, but I feel like CD's got the ability to be like that. I've said it before, like the wide receiver one. He's got that alpha dog mentality, the ability to do that, to change, to dominate, kind of like the receivers like Julio and things like that. So I don't see Judy as having that. I think Judy's probably a really safe prospect, but I like CD a lot. He's my number one. So. So, so, so Darius. Uh, yeah, so CD Lamb, I, I, I will fall in line with you guys. Uh, one of the things that I wanted to do, though, was take a look at what the, the grades I had gave out last year in terms of just the, the film watching. And I think my eyes are more keen to the things that I'm looking for in terms of success, uh, what traits look like when they're over time and, and kind of what it looks like. Last season, I had A.J. Brown as my wide receiver one on film. And then... Uh, to, to be able to look this year, C.D. Lamb has a higher grade than A.J. Brown by a couple points, uh, which doesn't sound like a lot. And, and again, without knowing any of the things that I'm kind of looking for doing there, it's kind of sounds like nonsense. But all that to say, I like him uh, as much as, if not better than everybody in last year's class. I like A.J. Brown a lot. But the, the things that I think drew me to C.D. Lamb were the same things that drew me to A.J. Brown in that after the catch, the the, the run after catch, the savviness in terms of the way that they do what they do and how they win, uh, very similar. Uh, and I enjoy those guys a lot. So, yeah, C.D.'s guy, and he's at the mountaintop alone. Uh, it would really have to take some major craziness in the draft, I think, for uh, just just for him not to be the first wide receiver for me in rookie drafts. But uh, yeah, he's he, he's on the mountaintop by by his lonesome, I believe. Even though I've got one guy nipping at his heels, is is that what's separating it for you guys? Because that kind of seems to be the the thought now is 
Judy just kind of he's that polished prospect already. You you're kind of you already know what you're getting, which is going to be a damn good receiver. Like I don't think anyone's. It, it almost seems like with how good he is and how polished he already is, like he's kind of getting like he's kind of getting knocked for that because maybe he doesn't have that alpha mentality and that ability to be the wide receiver one like you guys were talking about. Is that is that what's pushing him above Judy for you all? Just the you you see the, the I guess the, the higher ceiling with him. Uh, yeah, for me, I feel like um, CD just profiles to be that wide receiver one, whereas Judy, I could see falling. You know, he could be the wide receiver two on a depth chart a little bit more easily. Uh, for me, just from what I've seen, he seems to be, you know, he, he because of his precision and his skill. You know, they they might not want to feature him as the the lead in a wide receiver core. So, um, you know, they could use him in different ways. So uh, we're talking fantasy. I feel like I'm riding the guy that just, you know, get out of his way. Let's go CD Lamb. Yeah, I was I was just curious. I uh we're gonna be having Ray Garvin on the on the podcast, kind of putting a putting a bow on the on the wide receiver position. So we're gonna be talking about some of the top guys. And it had been a while since I'd watched, you know, Lamb and Judy and you know the rest of those guys at the top. So I just kind of went through as a as a refresher course, so to speak. And I was watching Judy and I was like, dude, he is so good. <laughs> like, may, like maybe he should be one. Like, dude, he is just so fun to watch, man. He's got a lot of separation on tape. I think the, the separation you see on tape is about the circumference of the earth. So um, <laughs> when, when all tallied. Um, give, give or take. Give or take. Give or take. You do, but, I mean, look, you know, you do question the competition of, Certain times, uh, Alabama's non-conference schedules were about as cupcake as it gets. I don't know. I I, I agree. It's just he's a good, clean prospect. I I think my question for Judy is like, what is he? What did he have on film, athletically, his measurables versus Calvin Ridley that he's garnered garnered so much more buzz than Ridley. I know Ridley was old, which I think is really the the end of that conversation right there. It's just Ridley was old. Uh, it feels like Judy's gotten not like he's not getting the buzz and he's almost become forgotten, you know, and he was, you know, going into the year, probably, probably the number one wide receiver on everybody's charts. Like everybody's like, you know, it's one of the ones that could come out and he, I almost feel like he's getting slept on a little bit and you could probably get him, you know, in six, seven of your rookie drafts, especially the ones that are super flex, which is just crazy because, like you guys say, he's got that elite separation. The things he does inside just a couple of yards is ridiculous. His footwork, the way he uses his hips and his moves are just ridiculous. Then he's got that top-end speed as well. So there's a lot to like. The only thing that you saw a lot of this year was he worked a lot out of the slot and didn't face a lot of the top corners and things like that. But do you really want to knock a guy for that? I mean, the way the slot is nowadays is not what it used to be. You know, it used to be like kind of a stigma that the slot guy was just that little guy, you know, but the slot guys these days get 100 catches, you know, for 120, you know, 1,200 yards and seven, eight touchdowns. That's, you know, you're going to be sad if you get that out of them. I mean, come on. That's crazy. I, th- I think the same, same exact thing is happening to uh, DeAndre Swift, right? 
He was right. the the number one running back everyone was talking about last year, and then it comes into this year, and now all of a sudden he's not being talked about at all. So I, I think it's that's just something that that we do. Like it's it's almost like we get I don't know if we get sick of talking about the top guy or if everybody needs to come out and have their you know their different opinions for the sake of having a different opinion. But like I said, I, I just happened to go back and watch a little bit of Judy again. I was just like. Man, are, are we taking this too far almost? But either way, if, if, if you know, say I'm sitting at whatever pick and I'm going wide receiver, if someone takes either one ahead of me and I end up with either one of those guys, like I'm, you're not going to get me, not going to get me crying over it. That's for sure. Just going back to to the Ridley conversation real quick. One of the interesting things, just when you when you look at what they did in college, uh, Ridley kind of worked downhill where his best year was his freshman year. And then Jerry Judy kind of worked uphill, uh, whereas his best season was his his final season at Alabama. The other thing is the, the we saw and I, and it might just be a function of the offense. I'm I'm not sure exactly how this works, but. Uh, we saw Jerry Judy score a ton of touchdowns <laughs> every year, and we also saw Jerry Judy. Uh, I think um, there was this buzz that had continued to build basically from his freshman year on. Whereas I don't know that we ever saw Calvin Ridley as being someone who could be go in and be your legitimate one on a team. Uh, and and I, I'm trying to put myself back in that time when Ridley was coming out uh, to be able to accurately kind of depict what that what that picture was. And I remember that Ridley a lot was a lot of, was someone that a lot of people liked. But I don't think anybody ever was like, hey, he can go in and like be the guy in an offense and the whole him old thing, like Berg said. Um, but with 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 Judy, I really and I've said this probably more times than I care to, but I really get Chad Johnson vibes um, and Chad, Chad Ochocinco for you younger cats. Uh, I get Chad Johnson vibes in terms of just play style. The feet are beautiful. Uh, the feet are absolutely beautiful and the hips don't lie. So uh, kind of shy about going over the middle. You're not going to see him. I don't think. Uh, really uh, wanting to be able to take those licks. Uh, but he's 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 a guy that I feel like can dance all over the field and be a a, a weapon that can uh, really diversify an offense, whether it's from the uh, slot like Berg was talking about uh, or if it's someone that is going to line up out wide for you, he's going to find ways to get open. So Judy's uh, Judy's fantastic. Not my number two wide receiver, I'll say, uh, but but he's absolutely fantastic. I'm a big fan. All right, J. Mike, you've you've teased us long enough. Who who is that number two? I, hey. I, I, need, I need to hear it now. LSU's own Justin Jefferson. Oh uh, yeah, huge huge Justin Jefferson fan. Uh, there are. <laughs> is that hot? Is that a little? Is that a little hot? <laughs> uh, Justin Jefferson, man. I listen. I could I could go for days about how how big of a fan I am of his. Uh, the the guy simply knows how to get open. He knows how to make a big play out of nothing. He's got great hands. He's someone who's going to catch the ball in traffic. I'm not going to talk about all the things he does well. I want to be able to talk about kind of where I see him landing in every single mock right now, which is in Philadelphia. If he lands in Philadelphia uh, as as a, as a wide receiver, their first-round pick at around 21, any, any 106 pick that I have in the league, or if, if he's not gone by 106 in the league, you might as well go ahead and recognize that he's not coming. He's not dropping any further. He, and it might even it might even get spicy at 105. I don't know. But I'm a huge fan of him. I think he's a guy who can be a player for years to come in the league. And I think that his game uh, really, really is something that can be, be plugged into any offense out of the slot. Uh, and he can also win on the outside. He saw the speed. He saw his game-breaking ability. He's awesome. He's absolutely awesome. You know, it's interesting that you have him up there because I was trying to gauge his popularity – 
I think it was last week and well, maybe two weeks ago now, uh, late March. And I yeah, started out. About that. Yeah, I started out where I thought I had him and where I thought consensus had him. So I put him in with Mims and T Higgins and just wanted to see, you know, what people wanted out of a prospect, which one they liked the most. And Justin Jefferson took it with 70% of the vote. T Higgins had uh, just under 20% and then Mims had just under 10%. So I was like, okay, I'll bump him up. So I moved him up into that kind of that next tier guys with Rager and rugs. Jefferson still goes out and gets 45% of the of vote. And so I'm like, okay, let's bump him up again and put him up with uh Judy and Lamb, and, and there, obviously, I think that's where Lamb took it with 66%, and Judy won with uh, 27%, and uh, Jefferson was down there. But I did not realize how high consensus has him. They have him as wide receiver three or, or maybe wide receiver four if you're if you're looking at some other uh, statistics, but he is up there. So I don't think wide receiver two is that hot, but it, it's moving. It's moving now. And here's the thing. it was This wasn't the case. Prior to the combine, oh, absolutely not. Well, there were there were a handful of us on an island that was like, man, Justin Jefferson, that's our guy. Like, this is this is him. This is him. And then uh, the combine because I was listening to Mox, big podcast fan, obviously listening to a lot of podcasts, and I was listening to podcasts that wouldn't take him in the second round. Like he was routinely not going in the second round of, of mock drafts that I was listening to. I was like, okay, this is interesting. I'm curious how this works out. Tears up the combine, and all of a sudden, like. Everybody and their mom got them in the top five receivers now, and, all, and like, and, and it's not. And I'm not saying that everyone's basing it all on the combine, sure. But I just feel like it, his his hype train is has been something that's really uh, kind of just gone off the rails as it pertains to since the end of the season where they kill it in the national championship. And you talk about someone who's just done everything right in the in the pre draft process. He's crushed it, and and his stock shows that amongst not only not only dynasty Twitter, but also NFL draft Twitter too. Right. I don't remember who it was back in like December or January. Someone called him the poor man's OBJ. And I mean, he's, he's lit. He's that good. He has that potential to be that good. So yeah, they see a lot of that stuff and similarity in his game. So yeah, I was just trying to find out who said that. And I can't even remember. I listened to too much probably. So. J. Mike, you mentioned the Combine. Uh, it's a good time of year to start uh, taking a little trip over to playerprofiler.com, see how these uh, measurables stack up. Justin Jefferson, 86th percentile 40-yard dash, 83rd percentile speed score, 80th Healthy. percentile burst score, best, com- best comparable Reggie Wayne. He's sitting at a 74th percentile breakout age. 51st percent college dominator, but you know what? Uh, he still had 19 touchdowns, I believe, this year, so pretty good uh, when you score a million touchdowns. Uh, those stats tend to um, uh, break I up. I really like that. I like that count, too. <laughs> so, yeah, a lot to like. I mean, if you said to me that this is your wide receiver, too, and then I look at this profile, I mean, that logic tracks. The the interesting interesting thing, Jay Mike, is whenever you said 106 and him going in the first, it's going to be super interesting to see the way dynasty ranks shake out because I don't think we see a lot of like right now the running backs are the the soup du jour. Excuse mm-hmm. me, Flo. Um, you know, <laughs> kind of right now, but I don't I don't think we see any go in the first. I'm not sure how many we see go in a second. So it's going to be really interesting to see how 
everyone when they come out with their ranks and what AD, consensus ADP is and all that stuff once we have draft capital and landing spots and how these guys are going to move all around because, I mean, man, if, if Jefferson goes to Philly in the first round, you can't, you can't think there's going to be too many better landing spots. You know what I mean? Then you're going to have the running backs going in the second and third round. Even even these top five guys, like I said, I don't think we see any of them go in the first. Maybe one. Maybe it's Taylor Swift in the first. But e- even then, uh, it wouldn't surprise me to see zero. So it's just going to be super interesting to see how we start to balance. I, I think that was a, a conversation on Twitter. I think maybe Ray was involved in that one as well. It's kind of like how do we – value running backs going forward whenever they're not going to be going in the first round. So man, maybe, maybe even that one Oh six, if, if that's where Jefferson goes, that you might not even be getting them there. Right. No, don't, t- don't tell me that, man. Dang, man. I've seen green Bay mocked. I like that mm-hmm. a lot. Mm-hmm. My only question, if, if he goes to green Bay, it just makes me scared because it, it, it just seems like wide receiver yeah. two go to go there to die. So while every like people, a lot of people are excited about that for for I know some some mocks had Mims and some other cats going there, that makes me nervous. But but obviously, just Jefferson is not the perfect prospect, uh, even though he is probably one of my favorites in a long time. A uh, couple of questions that I have with him in general is, hey, can he win on the outside? Because we saw him primarily working out of the slot at LSU. I think he can, but but we want to be able to see it, right? We want to be able to be able to to have confidence that that's going to be the case often and then can he consistently beat press coverage because it's not something that he saw a ton of either uh, at LSU with all the weapons and everything that they were able to do uh, with uh, a historic offense there so those are a couple of questions I have but I'm a huge fan of him and uh, I- I'm not sure that for me it's going to matter on landing spot uh, just so long as um, just so long as he's getting that first round draft capital I'm I, I love being able to see him plug and play wherever if Judy goes to the Eagles would you move is Judy your third? I guess should be the first question. And if he is, would he jump to number two if he is selected by the Eagles? He is my number three, uh, and and he and I, I have I have it's weird. I have Jefferson closer to Lamb than I do Judy. Okay. I still I still love Judy, but I don't. It, I, I think a lot of it would just depend upon where Jefferson goes. Like if it's not if it's a case where he's waiting, I mean he's not going to like mid second or something like that. Then I'm a little nervous because that means that. He go. That means that Judy's going first round, and maybe that's the case. And I think that's something I haven't rectified with myself yet, um, because I don't. I don't want to knock someone so much for their for for their for their landing spot because we watch people overcome that specifically last season. Um, AJ Brown yep. to mention and, yep. and McLaurin obviously, and opportunity can abound wherever you land. But yeah, I'm curious. What what are your all's thoughts? How, how do Specifically, those three guys, and I don't think that everyone's got Jefferson at number three or, or whatever that looks like. But specifically with those three guys, is there any places where they land where you're like, "Hey, I am definitely all in on one of them over the other two, Period. I feel like Lamb's kind of clear cut for a lot of us. Um, is there anything that Judy or Jefferson could do if they land somewhere in the first round? Could they could they overtake a CD Lamb to the Jets? Could they overtake a CD Lamb to the Raiders or something like that? I don't want any of them to go to the Jets, to be honest. Right. <laughs> not not until not until Gase is out of town. Yeah, one more season then. One more. <laughs> Man. I actually that that might be the that might be the play. Hope one of those guys lands there then buy them mid season or at the, the end of the season. 
Yeah, uh, I think I think the next guy that I would have in that conversation is Jalen Rager. So you were kind of talking about does Jefferson kind of hit that upper echelon? Not quite for me. He he's still probably in that next tier for me. But I think the guy that I would have closest to Lamb and Judy would be Jalen Rager. Um, not to move the conversation to him, but that's who that's who I have. Kind of if if he gets in the right spot, he can definitely challenge for that second spot. Have they talked about Rager on any other podcasts? Uh... Never heard of him. <laughs> Who's this, who this Rigor guy? Eat. Man. Eat. Man, he's a guy, though. It's, I mean, I, I joke because he's so um, – I feel he's so often discussed. People just love him. They love his athletic profile. It seems like the breakout age is like the real thing that people really hang their hat on with him and also talking about how bad his quarterback play is. So I'm interested to see – where that guy lands and how that affects his uh, spot in ADP for fantasy rookie drafts. And if people, you know, if he lands on a bad team, are people buying into the profile still? Does that tumble him down? I think we're getting close enough now where the discussion, you know, it's fun that we're having this discussion because I feel like as we're approaching the the real draft, it's people – have were exhausted, but now they're getting a, a nice refresher on all these guys, which is cool. Soon enough, we will know the truth about these guys. And I think Rager is someone who the truth is going to speak volumes about. Green Bay would be another spot where I don't want to see any of these guys end up to be, to be completely honest. Like it sounds insane that I don't want somebody to be with Aaron Rodgers, <laughs> but I just think the way that LaFleur is setting up that offense, like that's not going to be the same the same passing volume as it as it was whenever you have a dominant you want to talk about a dominant alpha with Devontae Adams already there. Yeah, you know I mean like that's Jay Mike, you said it like it seems like that's where wide receiver twos go to die and Green Bay's kind of been one of those teams that's been linked since early on in the process that they're doing their due diligence on on wide receivers. But man, I I, I don't know how much I like that. Plus, can we just let Alan Lazard live? Just give this guy don't take that away from me so quickly. I agree to an extent. Like, I don't want one of the top guys to go there. But, you know, give me, like, if, if Iuke ends there or AGG or Pittman, you know, like one of the lower guys ends up in Green Bay, I think that he could be pretty successful there as, like, a good wide receiver three type. So I would rather one of those guys land in a place like that. But I definitely don't want one of the top guys to go there. No, absolutely not, I think the narrative has kind of changed with Green Bay, right? So Rodgers has only thrown 25 or 26 touchdowns the last two years, but he's still throwing the same amount of attempts. He still has thrown over 4,000 yards every year. It's been the touchdowns that's been the difference. So uh, with Aaron Jones gobbling up, what was it, 18 touchdowns last year, I think if that balance swings back and Rodgers gets into the mid-30s for touchdowns, I do think you'll see a relevant wide receiver too there. So I don't, I'm not as scared of the spot. Um, as as we're talking right now, I, I think I would enjoy a wide receiver going there if that touchdown total changes. I saw today uh, it's been since 2016 since Aaron Rodgers had a QB1 uh, overall season. So, you know, there is a, a quite a bit of distance now between peak Aaron Rodgers and the uh, present day. Yeah, I, I noticed that that same thing, Robbie, about the the attempts. Like, just for some reason, it just doesn't it doesn't feel the same mm-hmm. like whenever whenever i saw that i was like 
that that can't be right. Like, there's no way he had close to the same attempts that he's been having the past couple full seasons. But it it was that way, and it's just I don't know, man. Maybe it's just the just watching it. You know, what I mean, you kind of get that bias from watching an offense, and you know what I mean. But that that was a that like I said, it seems it feels wrong to say I don't want a, a receiver right linked up with Aaron Rodgers, but. Uh, Maybe that's where that breaking point is, is one of the top guys know, but maybe if you throw in one of these, you know, one of the second, third tier kind of receivers, maybe maybe I'd be all right with that. Yeah, and, l- and let me throw this out there. Obviously, he just had his uh, <laughs> his 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 single pro day uh, hit, hit the hit the Twitter verse and people got all sorts of excited and upset and skeptical about the work that he was doing there. What uh, do, do you all take into account the four two two and four two eight uh, that he ran in his forty uh, at, at his at his individual pro day? There does does any of that move the needle for you all or, or do anything? Because we I think we all believe he's obviously very fast, and I think that we all believe that he's likely faster than the what was it four four eight that he ran at the combine or something of that nature. Yeah. I think we I think a lot of people are like okay. You know he's likely he's likely faster than that. I'm not sure if he bulked up, but he was 197 in that video that he posted. Uh, had the 422 by one guy, 428 by another guy, hand timed. Um, d- does does that any of that do anything for you in reference to how we see Rager uh, currently? No, Cody. I want you to ask tomorrow night. I think Ray actually was there running the timer, so I, I think <laughs> you, need, you really need to ask him that. I'm pretty sure he got all hyped up on his henny and pancakes. And, and hotcakes, whatever, and went went down there because I know he lives in that area. So I, I'm pretty sure he did the hand time four two two. So I need you to confirm that tomorrow night. All right. I got it. I got it. I, I think I think I saw he had a he he had a picture out. He had a four one nine actually. Oh, <laughs> that sub that sub four two speed. But no, it it didn't change anything for me honestly. Like this is, I, I don't know if I'm just becoming like whatever about the combine now and i don't know why i trust my eyes so much because not like i'm you know fucking scout or anything i'm not a pro but he he put it on tape he was fast on tape he could have came out and ran a four six at the combine not had a pro day and like i i still wouldn't have thought anything differently you know what i mean I, I didn't move him from i had him a wide receiver three before the combine still there after the combine so the uh, that that didn't change much. I think most of us expected that he was going to run like four threes, and if you want to adjust those pro day times, kind of what that's going to come out to be anyway. So for me, it 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 didn't really that that didn't change anything, and I I honestly don't think there was there would have been too much that he could have done that would have changed it. Maybe a different receiver could have taken that three spot, but for for him personally, I don't think there's there's really anything that would have come out before or after the combine that would have changed my my thoughts on him. That's right. I'm in the same boat, man. You see it on tape. You see the speed. Some of these guys, they they train for the combine, you know, and they train how to get off the block, and they train how to do this, you know, and they're able to manufacture speeds. And he just didn't manufacture the speed we thought he could. But you see it on tape. I mean, he blows by everybody on the field. So it's obviously there. I mean, it's just one of those things, man. you got to – you know, the casual fan will see it and knock him down a little bit. But, you know, those that actually watch the film and you don't have to be a scout, like you said, to know that he's freaking fast. So 
<laughs> so speaking of, of fast guys and maybe some second-tier receivers, kind of what, what brought us here tonight, a half hour later, we'll finally get into it. Any of you guys high on Ayuk? He's somebody who – Yes. I, I uh, sorry. sorry. You said any guys high. I thought that was the end of your question. <laughs> no, you need to go uh, go back up into those Humboldt Hills, son. <laughs> sorry. No, I always pick up your flow. My bad, man. Yeah. Luckily, you got internet this time, Berg. So it's not <laughs> not me that's not me that's cutting out. Um, <laughs> but for 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 Iuke, he's someone who I can't like. I can't get a good feel on how I feel about him. Like he's just one of those prospects for me this year. That like I see some guys that are high on him. Like I'll watch him. Like the. The things that I like about his game, like the plays that that I see that I that I really enjoy watching, like I love. But then there will just be like five, six, seven plays that go by where I'm just like, all right, like I, like I, he's just one of those guys I I don't know how to how to feel about going into this year. Um, I'd be, I'd be interested to hear if any of you guys have any strong takes one way or the other or how you feel about Ayuk. Well, early on in the process, uh, the draft process, uh, I believe we conversated a little bit on Twitter about Ayuk, uh, Cody. And, uh, I mean, I, from what I had seen of him, I mean, he looked explosive, but a little bit raw. Um, and he wasn't exactly, you know, a household name. So it wasn't that like he was doing so much at Arizona state that he was like making waves on a national scene. Um, not that that really matters that much for an individual prospect and his chances to make the NFL, but, uh, it felt like, from what I had seen and what I had sort of read about him, that he would be, you know, round three tops. But almost like immediately after that conversation, all this talk of him shooting up into the first or second round came to light, and I was a little bit shocked. So he's a guy that I think inherently it's tough to get a read on, not just from a film and a, you know, a measurable well, his measurables are pretty good. So, but you know, not just from um, you know a scout perspective, but the narrative around him is also quite confusing. Yeah, I got the same thing when I watched him because I I was able to cut down uh, four or five games of his this last year, the all twenty two, and just very inconsistent. Like there were times where he looked like he was an elite receiver, and there were times where he just looked like he was just kind of eh. You know, he's obviously got the the speed, and he plays the outside really well, but. He doesn't seem to have a lot of anything else to his game. It's there. I mean, obviously you can teach some things, the nuance route running, things like that. But I just wasn't overly impressed watching him. Um, just I got the same thing you did, Cody. I just I couldn't make up my mind. Sometimes I thought he was great, and there were other times where I just like I could see him going undrafted. So it, it was hard to get a read on him. One of the really interesting tools out there is grindingthemocks.com. Uh, if, if you haven't checked that out before and, I, and, and shout out to the folks who run that um, at Ben J underscore Robinson on Twitter. I don't know anything about him. So if he's a jerk, uh, I apologize for referencing his his website. But uh, <laughs> they, they, they compile information from all these different mocks, whether it be from media experts or fans. And uh, it almost felt it, it, it felt like and, and, and tell me if you guys disagree, but it felt like. We, we didn't necessarily have the highest view of Ayuk, 
And then all of a sudden we were seeing him in mocks where he could be mocked in like the first round. And then it feels like after the combine, everything kind of cooled off when he ran slower than everyone thought he was going to run. And so now we kind of have this, oh no, like feeling about IU, right? So, so it's not this, you know, it's not this overwhelming support that I felt like was building. Uh, however, on grinding the mocks, when they show his job, the, the, the draft stock charts, Right now, they got him just outside of the just outside of the first round, about average being picked number thirty four um, at at this time right now. So I, it it seems as though uh, specifically the the media and the experts uh, are much much higher on him than the than the fans are. But even in the midst of that, one of the things that I do love about his game is that he's got fancy feet. Uh, obviously, he's going to punt. He's going he's going to get on the field. Uh, to be able to give you a punt return uh, ability. And I liked his ability, and this is weird because I didn't think he was the sharpest with his routes. And if you see a lot of his touchdown plays, it's a matter of him just leveraging kind of either one cut and go type of deal. It's not like he's bre- like massively breaking people down in the open field, which is kind of what I thought of him. Uh, but but he's a guy who's got good footwork. He's, got, he's able to get open. I question his consistency with his hands. Um, sometimes those things can just go away on him. And I'm just like, dude, what, what is going on? Why are you dropping these easy balls? But uh, obviously, if he can find himself with good capital, ideally top two rounds, uh, sometime on day two, but definitely if he can get top 50 uh, pick-wise and find a place where he can actually get on the field, show out even as a punt returner, man, you could see someone like him really skyrocket in value quick uh, just by his ability to do special things on special teams. And then hopefully uh, parlay that into success on the actual offensive side of the ball. So uh, I think he, I think, I think he's polarizing. I don't think he's out. Um, I don't think he's outstanding, but I do think he's a very fun prospect, and I do want to track what happens with him on draft night for sure. Yeah, bringing it back to fantasy, which is why we're all here. Um, he's a guy that, especially in a super, uh, in a, uh, especially in a super flex rookie draft. I mean, he's going to fall to the late second round, I would guess. I mean, the echo chamber seems to have him probably in the bottom tier of the top end wide receivers, but he is in that top end. But it sounds like he might have the draft capital, which is a, you know, a nice thing to have. You want a guy that a team was willing to invest in, but you're probably going to have some tryhards out there taking their shots on guys who they believe in. It's just going to keep pushing him down. So if you're sitting there in the back end of you know the second round and Brandon Ayuk was drafted at pick 34 in the draft and he's still on the board, I mean, that should you know be a nice deciding factor for you to go ahead and hit that draft button. On that flip side, I feel like if he's a guy that falls, he's a guy that just falls off in, in dynasty drafts. Like if he doesn't have that draft capital, I think he just loses all that appeal because we've been talking about his inconsistency. Um and obviously he has versatility, but he just seems like a project player with a low ceiling to me. So I think if he doesn't have a day one or he's late day two or maybe even day three, I think that he just kind of goes out the window and he's going to be third round later. Yeah, so on, uh, so on DLF right now, uh, he has a an April rookie ADP of 18.9, and he is, uh, he's the 20th overall player off the board, and his, uh, his ADP is just – Point six points later than one Brian Edwards, who's going at eighteen. So it's Edwards at eighteen point three, Keyshawn Vaughn at eighteen point eight, and then IU at eighteen point nine. And there's another guy who I like more than IU who's going right after him 
and that is one Michael Pittman. Any of you guys have, have any thoughts on him? Like, I, I just really like him from uh, – I think we touched on him a little bit during the during the first episode we did. But just a, a smooth guy. He has the size and the speed combo. I would love to see him in a, in, in a vertical attacking kind of passing offense, just kind of let him eat up that eat up that field with, with that frame of his and that speed and just let him – basically just let him be like a, a very poor man's – what we thought at the time – DK Metcalf, right? Just nine routes, post, and, you know, deep corners. The, you know what I mean? Those kind of vertical routes. Um, how do you guys feel about Michael Pittman? Any uh, any thoughts there? Like him, dislike him? Tell me what you feel. I like Pittman. What I want to say about Pittman, and I should just say it instead of um, preempting it with that uh, segue, is that, um, you know, I feel like he's a classic case of a guy who – has a later breakout age, and because of that, people just bury him in the fantasy echo chamber, if you will. Um, I'll keep referring to it like that. It doesn't give – when you do that, though, it doesn't allow for guys to grow, right? He feels like a guy that really grew this season for USC, and he balled out, and he rode that into a great senior bowl. He's, I think, probably tracking at, with among the NFL community – to be drafted at a relatively high draft capital, maybe not like first or second round, but, you know, maybe third. He seems to be a guy who's on the way up in his career. So I like him. I think he is a, uh, you know, a solid prospect. Right. I'd be curious to see where he lands and what kind of draft capital he gets because, yeah, there's a lot to like about his game. I like how strong he is. He's not afraid to hit people. Just nasty blocking things like that. I just, I like his, how physical he is. He doesn't, like you guys said, not the biggest route tree and all that, but he didn't need it. I mean, and he was in with a couple five-star guys there in USC and he just kind of, he dominated, you know, you like seeing that. And he always seemed to show up when, when they really needed him, you know, a big play, it was Pittman making it. So you like a lot of, like a lot of what he saw. He kind of seemed like he came out of the middle of nowhere and yeah, he, he's a, he's a fun one that could, I, I like he, I would take him over uh, a hundred times out of a hundred. Like it wouldn't even be close to me. Yeah. So, I mean, he would, I don't know. I don't ever write my rankings down or stuff like that, but he'd probably be about six, seven area for me as wide receiver in this class. So I like Pittman quite a bit. What about a 89th percentile catch radius? That's pretty sexy. <laughs> sure, sure. Where, where, let me ask you guys this. Because I feel like routinely we see him being or going in the latter half of second rounds of mocks for rookie drafts. Where do you all or where would you all like to see Pittman land to be able to maximize what you all think are his strengths? And how high up the board could that push him? Like, could you see him going 201 late first if he gets like the perfect combination of landing spot and uh, capital. Uh, I'm, I'm curious your all's thoughts. Like, how, what is the range at which Pittman can can land for you? So maybe if like, I think he be, we already talked about this landing spot with uh, with Jefferson, but Philly needs another receiver. Yeah, you know I mean, maybe they double down, take you know, what I mean, take um, take Jefferson in the first, then get Pittman like in the third or something. I'm not exactly sure what their what their draft pick situations like, but I think that would be one that be that'd be a lot of fun. Seems to be some open targets available. Well, I guess not now with the Brandon Cooks trade, but 
I mean, at least he would offer a, a different body type at the very least in, in Houston. You know what I mean? It might be the, the three, I guess, behind Fuller and Cooks. Minnesota would be Minnesota. One. Yep, that was what I was thinking. Minnesota just needs a bigger a bigger body guy, I think. And whether it's Pittman or – I mean, this class just has so many people who do that skill set really well. I think a person – obviously, there's not a ton of targets to go around in Minnesota, but I think that's a spot where someone will get on the field early. I like that. I definitely think that anywhere with a shallow wide receiver depth chart, because I feel like Pittman's going to come in with a pro skill set and work ethic to get on the field immediately. So maybe even like a New Orleans Saints, maybe, or um, New England. Yeah. New England. Um, that'd be a fun spot. That'd be a really fun spot. Miami. Do the Panthers need any more wide receivers? <laughs> <laughs> No. Yeah. Oh, he and, didn't play and, Baylor. <laughs> there you go. And, and one of the reasons I ask you that question because oh, I, I, oh. it, it almost feels like he needs to because even if he can get on the field, I don't know that he's necessarily commanding a lot of high value targets early. And maybe he does because his ability to high points fantastic. And so maybe he can be the red zone weapon and kind of expand from there. I'm just curious what has to happen for him because I think a lot of people think he's a pretty good player. What has to happen for him to really push through what I feel like is 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 a cap of like the mid second in rookie drafts because I I just don't I haven't seen it in mocks I haven't seen it in community chats that I've been in that really say hey Pittman's a guy that that someone's going to go out on a limb and reach for early in the second like if you have a mid second and things start falling a certain way, I feel like you can maneuver to get to Pittman to get there if you really want him at 205 or 207 or something like that. Um, I don't think he's going to have to be a guy that you're going to have to move up for. Um, and with you guys, and, and I like Pittman, but it sounds like you guys maybe like, like him more than I do. If we can't really really you know, figure that out, then maybe uh, you, you, you can sit, stand pat and really wait on Pittman to fall to you versus feeling like he's a guy that you have to attack even if he goes to Philadelphia in the second, even if he goes to a Minnesota in the second uh, or, or you know something of that nature. So something to keep in mind with Pittman, not really a guy that you might that you're likely not going to have to reach for, especially in Superflex leagues. Yeah, I mean, insert wide receiver back of the second round name in there, and I think you have the same result, right? We just talked about – Ayuk and, and then you have Pittman, you have Brian Edwards, you have I think just a handful of guys that they're all going to be a value because there's just there's just too many players in this uh, in this draft class that they're all going to be pushed down. If you like a guy at the end of the second round, you're going to be able to get that guy um, because there's just so many other players that are are pushing these guys down. So you know, I'm not taking Pittman over the Lambs, Judys, Ragers, Higgins, Jeffersons, Mims. Uh, I mean, he's already down to what seven or eight just for wide receivers. Then when you add in the quarterbacks, running backs, we'll wait on tight ends. Um, you know, he's, he, they're just going to be available. So I think you're going to see that for a lot of this uh, lower, maybe not lower tier, but maybe mid tier wide receivers. Yeah. I feel like even if he does get that, that perfect spot with a good draft capital, he does Jay Mike, that's, that's a really good point. I, I think he does kind of seem capped at like, like probably like two Oh three, kind of range like for even for the people that you know really really like him so that's 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 a really solid point maybe if you're sitting at the back end of the first and he's you know he's your guy he's your target you can probably trade back pick up some some future capital or 
you know I mean, something like that, and uh, still be able to get him in that that mid second range. Who's currently going at two hundred three? Do you have that in front of you? Do not. Okay, we'll come back. Can we just run through uh, Pittman's stats once my boy Kadan Slovis was installed as USC's full time starter? I enlighten us. Uh, against Colorado, seven for 156, two touchdowns. Against Oregon, eight catches and a touchdown. Arizona State, 13 for 146, no touchdowns. Uh, Cal, 11 for 180 and a touchdown. UCLA, 13 for 104 and two touchdowns. Damn. That was how Michael Pittman finished his career at the University of Southern California. I will say that, that even with his late breakout age this year when he just completely exploded, it you have to give it up, and it is impressive to me that he did it with three different quarterbacks throughout the year. Mm-hmm. So right now, um, your second round is looking as such, again, according to a Dynasty League football uh, April mock data. Uh, you got Visca. Rocking the 201, Zach Moss, Joe Burrow. And this is, I mean, obviously this is uh, one QB mm-hmm. mocks. Uh, going to three, Dylan, A.J. Dylan, Tua, and then the run of Edwards, Vaughn, Ayuk, Pittman, Justin Herbert, Dwight's boy, Antonio Gibson, and then uh, K.J. Hamler rounding out that second that second round. Yeah, I mean, I could see him hopping over a handful of those guys. So I think Tua yeah, is yeah. is a is a good spot if he has the right landing spot for sure in the capital. Now, I know we were, we were uh, we were coming here to talk about the wide receivers tonight, but since we just talked about him, I, I want to get your guys' thoughts. What are your thoughts on AJ Dillon? How do you guys feel about him? Uh, obviously, freakish, freakish athlete, especially for for his size, man. Like, it's could you imagine that dude running at you? Like full, full, full head of steam. Could you imagine that? Just literally, just coming barreling down on you. But uh, how do you guys? How do you guys feel about him? Or, or were you high on him to begin with? Did the did the combine change anything for you? Give me some thoughts on on AJ. I, I wouldn't be that nervous uh, from from my background, considering that he is not going to lower his shoulder to run me over. I'm that not is worried weird, about man. Me. That I'm is weird. Me. And, I, and I'm not worried about him falling forward either. I'm I'm, I'm just, man, A.J. Dillon's one of the more perplexing people, and I don't want to belabor points that I feel like people make on podcasts all the time. One of the questions uh, that I have in, in reference to Dillon is, okay, obviously with everyone, we're very curious what the capital is. We're also very curious what the landing spot is. And with all that being said, one of the main things that I want to make sure that I'm keeping track of when it comes to Dylan is his early opportunity. Um, I, I do not want to be waiting around in leagues for Dylan for for many a moon, uh, and I'm and I'm certainly not excited to be taking him extra early or anything of that nature. But when it comes to him, I, I really want to be able to see him. Uh, not only get some early opportunity, but go to a place that's committed to running the ball and running it hard and running it well because uh, receptions was not his game in college. Not to say that he can't do it, but uh, a total of 21 receptions uh, in your collegiate career just does not do it for me in three seasons. Uh, And having zero of those years have over 20 20 catches. So he does a lot of nice things. I love his feet. love the way that he's able to 
uh, for, for as massive as he is, uh, as light and nimble as he can be on his feet at times. Uh, he shows nice agility at times. Uh, he just does not do a lot of the things that I really wish that he would do. And that, that messes with me because I, I think that he's probably a pretty good back. And obviously to have all of the production that he's had, you, you can't be, I don't think you can be trash and have that kind of production that he's had. Um, over, what was it? Over 4,000 yards rushing in three seasons is stupid. Absolutely stupid. However, I'm, I'm likely not going to be taking him in the place that he's currently going. Um, probably even with a sweet, super sweet landing space. Uh, he's not, He's not someone that I'm likely going to be targeting. He'd have to fall in my lap and things really align uh, well for him for me to be able to be excited about it. I'm just going to cruise over to his player profiler.com page um, because I do feel like uh, he was are, a guy. Are they paying that, you, Burger? Good no, more. but I do think, okay. uh, you know. This well, is Bur- Burger look. just got his internet tonight and he's like, hey, you guys heard this website? No, I, I, I think at this time of year, it's a very valuable resource. So I'm, I'm happy to talk it up, happy to use it. Um, I don't think it's, uh, you know, um, something to be ashamed of to, that you look at stuff like this. So, um, but we also have a lot of film guys on here. So here's the, here's the, the, the numbers side of it, you know. And I want to say, look, his best comparable on here is Steven Jackson, which I think is kind of surprising. And someone who was obviously fantasy relevant. So look, there's a spark of hope with this guy, and uh, I think as J. Mike said, that draft capital will will matter. And uh, in our rookie drafts, you know, the running backs can sometimes be hard to get in um, in leagues. So look, if he's got some decent draft capital, a good situation, maybe you do reach up and grab AJ Dillon over a wide receiver who maybe has like a great profile, but is in a bad situation buried on a depth chart. Yeah. I mean, oh, wait, wait, I'm sorry. Real quick, Robbie. Let me, let me, let me counter with that. Just, and let's go around the horn and Robbie will end with you. So we'll start with you, Berg, go to you, Cody, then Dwight, then Robbie. Let's say we've got Zach Moss, or excuse me, not Zach Moss, AJ Dillon lands in a fantastic landing space and somewhere in the second round, let's say he goes to Tennessee in the second round, right? People would like that, generally speaking. Um, and then what happens if uh, Michael Pittman goes in the second round to Philadelphia late in the second? Uh, would you rather have Michael Pittman or, or A.J. Dillon in that instance? I think I'm going Pittman. I, I'm going against my own advice. <laughs> <laughs> well, so I mean, go to the site here. It says right here. No, but he's a de facto. I mean, he'd be a de facto number two in Tennessee. I, you know, I kind of did this. Uh, who was who's the guy that drafted? I mean, he was a bit. Um, who did they draft last year? That he was. A, he didn't have the capital that this situation is. Is Alex Bowman? Yeah. Yes, and there's like, a, yeah. a, com- a combine stud that people liked. He was a decent dart throw, and he was nothing. He didn't see the field. Um, so. Tennessee, if it was Tennessee, I guess I. Wow, well, God, damn. <laughs> let's let's put a let's put AJ Dillon. Let's say because this is something I I could. This is a landing spot I like. I think he would get the volume. What if he goes in the second to the Seahawks? So the mm. Seahawks in the second, or Pittman yeah. in the second to the to the Eagles. I think I would lean Dillon in that situation. Dillon, Pittman. I'll still go Pittman. And Robbie, you, and you can answer and then go on the point you were about to make. Yeah, I mean, probably Pittman uh, there. I think I think what happens with, with Dylan is, is unfortunately, 
call me a sizes, but I just I just have an issue with with a running back of that stature in this NFL. Like you we're talking early. Robbie Jeffries is size queen. Hey, commissioner does what commissioner wants. So, uh, so like Larry Johnson is the guy that I see there. Like he crushed. Someone needs to look at my blind bid real quick before this starts to disappear. But no, I just, I just think he, he's not made for today's NFL. Um, and I don't think he's getting that capital. Like second round. I, I just, I haven't even seen him there. I haven't heard talks of that. Like maybe that happens, but I think you equally can see him in the fifth round uh, if we're talking where we're projecting him. So I'm just saying a guy with his exact size and phys- and athletic profile just ran for 1500 yards and 16 touchdowns last year. So mm-hmm. Talk about it. So that's, that's, I think that's the thing with Dylan though, right? Is he's going to have to go to a situation where they're just yeah. going to hand the ball off right. to him 25 times a game and just let him grind everything out. Right. Yep. Seattle is one of those places, I think. Yeah. yeah. Yep. yep. It's super interesting. Is there are there any other any other prospects you guys can think of off the off the top of your head where you think that they might be a little more landing spot dependent than than what maybe some people are talking about or somebody who you who you're kind of wavering on and just waiting for that landing spot? Robbie brought up Tyler Johnson versus Auburn in our chat earlier. What was that about, Robbie? Uh, that was me watching Tyler Johnson a little late on the party here. But, uh, yeah, he he just really showed out. I watched him uh, that game, Iowa, I think Penn State. And you, you, I think either you or Andrew had posted something, maybe it was Andrew, um, about the Senior Bowl um, – and maybe just some of the rumblings that, that people were having about him. And and I don't I just don't get why Tyler Johnson is so far down on people's boards. And there's gotta be something something that I don't know. And I think someone was talking about it, so I don't know if you have more insight on that, but he had some really good tape. I completely agree. He's he's someone it, it all started with the him not getting the senior bowl invite and heading to the shrine game. And right. then he pulled out of the shrine game and yeah, I mean, so I I think that's why he's being pushed down. It'd be it'd be super interesting in a in the alternate universe where he doesn't have these these off field rumblings to see because you want to talk about somebody who is high in wide receiver rankings going into the season. Tyler Johnson was one of mm-hmm. those dudes. Yeah, I mean, he he was someone we were excited to see come out last year because he's he'd been balling and he he has the tape, he has the the frame, he has good enough athleticism, he can play that big slot role. But it's, I think it's just because of all these rumblings that, I mean, even if you put him just to make a point that you like him at, you know, four or five or wherever you want, he's someone who's just immediately going to drop because he doesn't seem like he's going to get that draft capital. You know what I mean? So it's, he's someone I, I hope somehow we can find out what the, what the truth is on, you know, on, on these quote unquote off field issues and whatever he has going on, uh, you know, behind the scenes, just so we can get a, get a better understanding. But he's someone who I was, I was super, super excited about coming into this year. And now that, now that kind of seems just a, just a memory just fading away. But have you heard what those are? Like, is that what's lowering your excitement on them? Is, is this vague off the field? No, it's just that, just that, fucking shit cloud hanging over top of them. Yeah. 
speaking of clouds hanging over top of people uh, and probably un unjustly so. Uh, and, and I didn't even know about this until I think you threw it out to me and was like, uh, co-man, you were like, hey, um, this this, you know, you might want to double check your, your like for this guy because it's an unseemly thing said about him in college as Quintez Cephas. Uh, I, I really, really like what he put down on tape. I like what he did specifically in the bowl game against Oregon. I like I, I like how tough he is and I didn't like how slow he was at the combine, but I like a guy like him who's got fantastic hands. Again, can body up people very strong at the catch point. Uh, and, and he's someone that, again, if we're looking at DLF rookie ADP right now, he's going as uh, player number 44. So you're looking at getting that guy, uh, what is that, uh, late fourth round, essentially. Uh, whereas I am, you know, I, he's someone that I could see shooting up to late seconds if he gets some surprising day two draft capital um, or he's he's mixed within a group of guys that um, maybe don't get fantastic landing spots, but he lands somewhere nice and gets opportunity. Like I, I could see him walking on the field and being the number two uh, for Washington immediately. I love Kellen Harmon, uh, but he seems to be someone who could probably play ball there as well. And Again, I feel like things have to really go right for him, um, specifically with the draft capital. But, man, he's a really good player, and I like what he offers later in drafts. So, uh, he's a guy that I'm checking for for sure, for certain, come uh, draft weekend. And, again, if he's falling into round four and whatnot, I'm probably, excuse me, uh, like um, day three, round four and beyond, I'm probably a lot less excited. But if he sneaks in day two somehow, some way, Man, love me some Quintez Cephas. I think that's a really good point, though, you bring up about the guys sneaking in. You know, the NFL draft is about to come and change everything. You know, people have been listening to podcasts now for months uh, with, you know, all different processes for how they got to where they are. And guess what? There's 32 teams whose processes, you have no idea how they work. And uh, they're going to dictate where these guys you have been obsessing about, reading about, watching their tape, uh, you know, degenerately at night uh, when the lights are off and the kids are in bed. I'm not going to say that that wasn't worth your time because it certainly is, but you shouldn't be surprised when things don't play out the way that you thought they would go. And uh, it's about to get really interesting and about, I don't want to timestamp this, but very soon. It's crazy to think that I'm looking at this top 25 and I mean, there's legitimate like all, every one of these guys has legitimate argument to be like a day two wide receiver. Yes. So, it, and it just depends on where they go and who's going to believe in them and who's going to put that stock in them. Who's going to give them the opportunity. Who's going to ac accentuate those things that are good about them. Like there are guys even down to like, I'm looking at Gabriel Davis at 24. I love Gabriel Davis and thinking given in the right situation, he could be a really good wide receiver too. Devin Duvernay, same thing. You know, Van Jefferson, like you said, Cephas, you know, I'm going up this list here, Hodgins. Chase Claypool was crazy athletic. I don't think he's as good as, you know, he's just, you'd have to use him right. DPJ has that uh, just crazy athletic ability and a five-star guy that was like the top receiver coming into that class and didn't do anything at Michigan. You know, like all these guys have legitimate claims to being like day two wide receivers. So <laughs> how it all shakes out, you know, it's going to be nuts. There's some of these guys that you know could go undrafted. I could also see, you know, I'm going up the list and KJ Hamler, AGG. You know, there's some guys, Tyler Johnson. Some people say that Antonio Gandy Gola and Tyler Johnson may not even be drafted, and that's crazy. 
You know, so uh, we do, we don't know, and it's going to be crazy. I, I don't want to wait ten more days, guys. I'm tired of talking about this, man. Let's get it over. Let's go. Let's do it. Do the, the, the do it. The craziest thing about this draft too is we're not getting the the whispers that we're that we're used to getting, and all these anonymous reports and who likes who. You know, I mean, and things things of that nature. So this is going to be like I feel like we're there's going to be a lot of names that come off the board, even round one. That like that we're not expecting, so this is it's going to be a super super interesting, super exciting draft. Just, I mean, everything, man. Just see like the the production, like what like like what are these teams doing? You know, what I mean, like how does how like these picks going to be announced? Are there going to be cameras set up in the man caves of all these GMs and you know shit like that? What I what I am super excited about. What I was thinking about today is uh, if you guys are familiar with the wire. I'm really excited to see the the 30 for 30 that comes out on this draft that ends up looking like a production of the wire. Like it, it's going to have the, the pagers, payphones, <laughs> Ill, illegal the illegal wiretaps. Dude, it's it's going to happen. Yo, Omar coming, Tua coming. Tua coming, y'all better oh, watch indeed. out. See you at Amsterdam. Come on, <laughs> that's amazing, and 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 we're we're gonna find out uh, real fast if ESPN is gonna be skimping uh, on their on on their on their tech stuff because right now this this Streamyard that we're currently recording in is pretty sweet, so someone's paying for Streamyard Premium here, big balling, smashing, making their ends, code man. Uh, so so if it doesn't look this good on draft night and it looks like some broken down version of Zoom, uh, we're gonna be we're, we're gonna be ESPN throat real quick. <laughs> I think we're ramping towards the end here, but I uh, Dwight kind of get Dwight gave a lane for Cody to talk about someone that I know. He's had a personal, um, I'm not gonna say man crush, but I know somebody he's been very high on in Isaiah Hodgins. Uh, so you have the floor, uh, Cody. Please dial us in on your thoughts about Isaiah Hodgins. I'll tell you what, man. I, I'm a sucker for cornrows and man. No, sorry, that's the wrong thing. Um, <laughs> uh, no, the, the the big wide receiver, man. I am I am team big wide receiver. And whenever someone can move move as smoothly as Hodgins does, and if listen, if if you like watching double moves and just snatching cornerback souls, you will love Isaiah Hodgins. Um, played inside, played outside, so you can move around the formation. He's really good in contested catch situations, tracking the ball, going up and getting the ball. All that said, he's, he's probably a, an average athlete. Um, you know, he's, he's not going to – outside of some of his double moves, he's not really going to – really going to wow you. But he's he's somebody who who I would expect to kind of be drafted – day three at some point, you know, fourth, fifth round and be able to eventually work himself up, uh, up a depth chart. Maybe there's an injury ahead of him. He's someone who I'm kind of looking at as more of like a, a year two impact guy versus, versus year one. But he's definitely somebody that I think we should all be, all be paying attention to, uh, especially with the, with the draft coming up to see what kind of capital, and uh, what kind of landing spot he gets. But again, he, he's just somebody who, that's all they had at Oregon State, and he still couldn't be still couldn't be stopped. He still put up you know really good production numbers. Started last year as a sophomore, they were better this year as a junior. His dominator rating is is really nice as well. So 
that's that that's what I like about him in a him in a nutshell. Just that his size, his frame. He's he's a smooth mover. He he doesn't have that that real deep that long speed, but he he certainly has enough of it. And I, I'm excited to kind of see how how everything works out for him. Any anybody else have any any thoughts on him? Have you guys got any eyes on uh, Hodgins yet? Any any thoughts other than the the commissioner agreeing with me? I, I just got the uh, the MFL email that my blind bid is back to where it should be, so we're we're good now. <laughs> <laughs> the 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 double move demon, uh, as I've heard on Twitter, he's a <laughs> Mister Double Move himself. So I'm I'm excited to see where Hodgins lands. I like Hodgins; he's he's a good player. Um, I, again, I'm curious what is the ceiling on where you take him? Uh, how excited right. do you get with him? Like, do, do I do I can I move back and get him? in that morass of guys that we like in the second round. Uh, Cause at that point it becomes a, Hey, who's your favorite, right? Who do you like a lot? Where did they land? Who, 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 who do you dig? Um, so, so I, I think there are a couple guys in this draft that I'm willing to take earlier than maybe, maybe more than a couple, maybe three to four that I'm willing to take earlier than consensus to make sure that I get them because I like them a lot. Jefferson being one, um, and, and I think uh, some other guys I'm not going to necessarily hold throw on, everyone. Wait, wait, hold on. <laughs> Jefferson, who, who else? We're too many leagues together, Robbie. Too many leagues together. Uh, so, so, but but, but I, I'm just curious with Hodgins again, uh, What what's the ceiling look like? And uh, but, but do you guys think that he could profile as being like a wide receiver one for a team? I'm not trying to open up a discussion again. I, I know that we're probably trying to wind down, but th- does he profile to you guys as the guy who can lead a passing offense where everything goes through him? No, I I, I do not see that. I, I think he could be a really good number two, maybe a, like a really good situational kind of kind of receiver. So I, I do think the ceiling is limited on him. But right now he's going at like the beginning of the fourth round in rookie drafts, and I, I just feel like there he's a he's a steal. So again, I'm I'm not projecting crazy draft capital for him. I think he's probably like like I said, an early day three kind of guy. But he he is someone I could see. You know, I mean, it's it's also going to be weird this year potentially not having those you know, the, the OTA reports and, you know, this rookie's looking really good and he's balling out. So that's, it's going to be super interesting to, uh, to see, to see where, to see what happens with, uh, see what happens with that. So the, I think the ceiling is capped on him, but I'm, I'm still excited to see kind of just how everything plays out for him. I think uh, as best ball dynasty grows in popularity, uh, if you're in one of those leagues, uh, he, he, I think his, you know, his value might be a little bit more in there because, you know, he's he could pop out. He's definitely a guy who could pop. I, I, it, the obligatory, the obligatory Kentucky shout out. Uh, if if you no. didn't already know, um, obviously Lynn Bowden. He, he, Robbie, I think you could have guessed. He, he's definitely one of the guys that I'm, I'm trying to make sure I scoop everywhere as well. <laughs> Don't you write this down? Uh, you know, no, obviously, um, he the versatility at which he can be uh, leveraged, his ability with the ball in his hands, incredibly special. And I think I think what I, what I'm going to find curious is when we're looking at these second rounds, specifically second and third rounds of rookie mocks. I mean, excuse me, rookie drafts that were in rookie auctions, things of that nature. What will people be using? as their tiebreakers or as their tier tier shifters, right? Because 
one of the things that I like to be able to know is what are some elite skills that you have that can separate you or get you on the field early so that your value cannot, you know, waste away for a year or two or however long. But when can you start adding value to my team and adding value to uh, the, the, just the overall makeup of the portfolio that I have per se. So Lynn Bowden is a guy who can get on the field in a myriad of ways. He can be leveraged and and, and weaponized in, in several different ways. And he's a guy that I'd be willing to take earlier than what a lot of people feel comfortable for him, specifically if he falls into a place where uh, it's a it's a it's a wide receiver friendly or a smart offense, smart organization friendly uh, team. Because, again, you talk about someone who can be leveraged in different ways and really bring value to you in, in, in so many ways. Uh, shout out to, to Russ Fisher and his Trade Addicts podcast league. But if you have a league that has punt return yardage or, you know, anything for bonus for rushes, like 0.25 for rushing attempts, all those different things. He's a guy that can sneak around and, and get you these added points out of nowhere just by being able to be leveraged in different places. So it's cool to see someone like Lynn Bowden and where he's going to end up. Again, please day two, day two capital. Please day two capital. Does it matter what he plays? And and I guess even further, will he will he be someone that just plays multiple positions? It's a great question. I, 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 at least for me, and I don't mean I'm excuse me for dominating conversation. Just he's he's near and dear to my heart. <laughs> if you hadn't heard, Lynn Bowden, he is obviously the Nagurski winner as well as leading rusher in the SEC. I'm sure you guys have never heard either of those things about being the most versatile player in college football and leading the SEC in rushing. You know, with eight games at quarterback, blah blah blah, whatever. No big deal, right? I get it. But, but just, just the, the he, I feel like his only limit is how they choose to be, how an offense chooses to leverage him. Because he can do, we, we've watched him over his course at Kentucky, do all the things well. We've watched him do be a pretty good receiver, not great. Obviously, lots of things he can work on. We saw him run the ball really well. We saw him pump return like a boss. We've seen him be leveraged and be fantastic in the best conference in the nation at all levels against all competition that 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 league can offer and he excelled against everyone his only limit is how a team is going to choose to use him if he lands in some unimaginative place uh, if he lands in with the jets like i'm not excited all of a sudden and, and maybe i should be uh be, because i think he's really good and he can maybe overcome some of that but all of a sudden like you don't want anyone to go and die in <laughs> in new york right um but can he land in somewhere where he can be leveraged and used uh, and weaponized in such a way that's creative. And I think that the sky could be the limit for him. It's the same way I am about Antonio Gibson too. Like somebody's got to know how to use him, you know, like he's good enough to do. Like, I like how the saints use Kamara's about how you're going to have to use Antonio Gibson. There's not many teams that can do that. So if he ends up in Detroit, you know, like, no, I, I want a team that's creative. So I like it, man. Man, get get me Antonio Gibson to San Francisco. I don't. Oh my lord! <laughs> I don't know. San Francisco's got too much already, man. <laughs> I don't know. Go to bad old man, would you? Uh, what about Baltimore? Everybody keeps putting these running backs in San Francisco. Like, why? Uh, but but the, even even though they have all those bodies in San Francisco, there's no one I look at there and I go, oh well, he can't pass him up. That's that's my thing with San Francisco. And if you want someone creative that's going to be able to, you know, what I mean, get him the ball in space, get him to in the running game, use him as a as a receiver. Like I, 
I think that's probably the the best you could ask for. Where, where's where's your spot, Dwight? You've been you've been the one chugging along on this bandwagon by yourself for a while now, and all of a sudden you have everyone everyone hanging off of your caboose. Where uh, where where do you want to see him land? I don't know. I mean, Kansas City would be a hell of a lot of fun. Yeah. He's not pa- he's not passing Damian Williams. Oh, good lord, he passed him in his sleep, dude. Um, yeah. That sounds like a kamikaze bet if I ever heard one. <laughs> I don't know if they, they would take him or I don't know if he's going to make it to where they'd be comfortable taking him. I don't know, man. I, Pittsburgh would be a hell of a lot of fun if they're willing to, you know, if push Connor aside, you know, but he would almost need more of a feature role there. So maybe they're not creative enough to really fully use him. Um, I don't know, man. That's tough. I, I love him so much, and he does seem like he's better running back, but he's, he can do everything. So one of those things I always struggle with, like what seem to be good fits and things like that. So sorry guys, <laughs> go to bed old man. Exactly. <laughs> my Boy, four, drinking that sleepy time tea. My, my 30 second commute from my bedroom to my work desk is killing me every morning. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think we've said it all gentlemen. Um, Let's ramp to the finish. Surprised we didn't talk about Henry Ruggs. Anyway, <laughs> no. Do we have time? Oh, that's nope. a whole episode. <laughs> we, we we should do like a like like a quick. Maybe we can record it on like Voxer or something somehow and and splice it all up. But do like uh like three four minute. You know, I mean, just like our our quick takes and and drop those as episodes somehow. But man. It's just so exciting with the with the draft being upon us. It's, we're finally going to be able to, you know, like Berger was saying, everything we've done up to this point is basically just going to go out the window. If if we, you know, rewind the clocks to just uh, just last year, you're you're looking at somebody we, you know, we kind of mentioned him too, Kelvin Harmon. He was like the 101 in you know the the early season uh, rookie mock drafts. And then he ended up going what like fifth, sixth round, something like that. Like he, that was something that nobody saw coming that a lot of people really liked. And even if you didn't like him, you didn't think he was going that late. So just super exciting that we're, you know, that we're finally getting here and with, you know, with everything we have going on, it's, it's, it's really nice to have something like the draft, you know, kind of pull us all together get our mind off of things and, and just be able to, you know, provide us with, you know, with moments like this where we get to jump on a podcast and just kind of riff for a while. So really appreciate all you guys jumping on. Um, if you weren't listening to the TFA pod last week, we're, we are going to be having live shows for days one and two of the NFL draft. The whole thing we got you covered. Uh, pretty sure all, all these guys are going to be joining us at some point as well. So be on a lookout for that. But again, thank you guys for coming on. Uh, stay tuned. It's gonna maybe be another another Kamikaze episode three coming uh coming next month or something like that. Well, I'm sure we'll figure something out. So uh, make sure you're following all these guys. Refer to the beginning of the pod where I where I threw all those out. So again, appreciate it, and uh, we will talk to you guys soon.
mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.